But I also wanted to say that this message tonight may be that for that same person, but I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but I do know that it's for somebody here tonight. God spoke that into my spirit as well, that this message, which is called, when things don't go your way. You know, there's going to be times when things don't work out the way we want them to. We have our, we, we pray to God and we ask God to meet our needs that we have, whether they be physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, financial, whatever they might be. We bring it to the Lord in prayer. We bombard heaven with that request. And we've got it all figured out in our own mind how it should go. We've, we've got it all figured out. This is the way it should happen. And yet, God may have a different plan. He may have your answer. And it may come to the same thing. But he may have a different way of handling your issue. And we've got to be willing to let God be God in those times. And let him be the one that takes care of those needs that and allow him, let me give you a quick example of that, and then I'll, I'll give you the scripture reading here in a minute. My mom used to pray for me nonstop, 24-7, it seemed like. She always wanted me to come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I did everything I could to buck that. Instead of capitulating, I decided to run them up, in other words. And I did my own thing. And I did it for seven long years. But you know, my mom, when she first began to pray for me, she would say, now God, I want you to save me, but I want you don't want you to let this happen, and I don't want you to let that happen, or this over here. And when finally she came to her senses, and she said to herself, I'm going to pray differently. So what she began to do for about the last six months to a year before I came to Christ, she began to pray and say, God, whatever it takes, I'm putting it into your hands, whatever it takes. And I didn't know that at the time, but when I found out about it, I told my mom, I said, Mom, don't you realize that God could have taken your life or he could have taken my dad's life or my sister's life or my brother's life? Or She said, yeah. But I knew all of us were ready to go except you. So anyways, what I'm saying is, is that don't put stipulations on God. Don't pin him down and say, this is the only way you can do this that's going to make me happy. Because God may very well come through with what you want him to do, but he has to take do his own thing to get it done. In other words, what those things that my mom used to pray don't let happen, it was exactly those things that had to happen in my life before I got things right with God, before I came to him. I had to get in trouble with the police. I had to get arrested four times. I had to, to break the addiction of alcohol and drugs off my life. Those were the things that I had to do before I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And it was actually the night that I gave my heart to Jesus that I actually quit the drinking and the drugs. But what I'm trying to get across here is this. It was those very things that kept me from coming to Jesus. But then he took that stipulation off of God. 
and said whatever it takes. That's the way we need to be starting to pray, folks. For people who need Jesus as Savior and Lord, for people who are sick in body, for people who are, who whoever needs a financial miracle in their life, we need to be willing to come to the point where we finally say, Lord, whatever it takes. And then trust God to meet that need. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, we're going to look at James chapter 1, beginning with verse number 2. So I invite you to turn with me there tonight to the book of James, right after Hebrews. And it's right before 1 Peter. Once you find it, I ask if you would to stand with me as we honor God at the reading of his word. James chapter 1, beginning with verse number 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who comes to he, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Father, help us to see how trials can help us with strengthening our faith and our endurance. Help us to see, Father, how you can use those things to benefit our lives. And we ask, dear God, that your hand of blessing would be upon us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated tonight. You know, when it says to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, he's not saying that we need to be happy or to be greatly pleased about the situation that has come into our life that's testing our faith. He's not saying that. He's saying that we need to be joyful about the fact of what those things will produce in our life. You know, when we come into trials, whether they be financial, spiritual, mental, emotional, or physical, whatever they happen to be, any of those situations, we need to be joyful in the fact that they have a, a, something positive that can, we can bring out from the, those things. It strengthens our faith. It makes us to where we're stronger than we were before. It, it makes us to the point where we can endure everything that comes against us. Matter of fact, we talked this morning about when about bad things happen to God's people. We talked about that. We talked about how that uh, the devil is only allowed to do certain things in your life. And for a moment in time, God may pull back the curtain of that protection he has over your life to allow the devil to do what he's going to do. But you know what? God always puts stipulations and limits on the devil. He's told him in the first time that he addressed God about things, 
He and God said, What about my servant Job? And he says, I can't even get to him. You have a hedge of protection around him. And he says, Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll let you take his possessions. I'll let you have power to take his possessions and touch all that he has, but you can't touch him. Well, he did just that. He ends up taking all the possessions, all the wealth, all the, the stuff like that from him. And then it talks about he, he, he even took his children from him. He had the children killed in this whole thing. And then all of a sudden, it says that, that Job, instead of getting upset with God, instead of cursing him, instead of getting all upset about it, and, and accusing God of, of being unfaithful to him, what, it did, what he did was it says that he tore his robe and he shaved his head, which in that day and culture was a symbol of humility and mourning. And, it's, and it talks about, and, and then it said that he said, Naked came I in, from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you know what? That's where we've got to get to in our life. We've got to get to the point when things don't go our way. We've got to get to the point that says, I'm going to survive this anyway. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to accept it. It may not be what I wanted, but the end result came to be just like I've been always asking God for. And anyways, whenever that happens, then we're going to find here that it tells us that it's going to make us stronger in our faith and it's going to help us to endure the problems that we face in this life. It's going to help us to persevere through those things. You know, Paul one time had a messenger from Satan that came to buffet him. Not buffet, buffet him. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, he, he prayed three separate occasions to God and said, God, take this thing away from me. And finally, God answers him after the third prayer. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, that's all we can depend on sometimes, folks. That's, that's the only thing we have to hold on to sometimes is the grace of God. You know, our faith will get pushed to the nth degree. Our faith gets pushed to, to where we can't think, we don't think we can survive it, but we can. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he will not allow you to go through more than what you're able to bear and to endure. And that's what we've got to get to the point of, is that realization. And say, God, you're truthful in everything you say. You're righteous. In everything you do, I'm going to trust you. Even if I don't think it was the right thing in order for this to, to get answered like I wanted, I'm thanking you right now, Father God, that it has been done and that it is answered and that you're giving me the grace to endure it. You're giving me the power to endure it. You're strengthening my faith in you. That's what happened with... Uh, Job was that he he went ahead and he was willing to accept what had taken place. And it says he did not charge God foolishly. He did not charge God with wrong. He didn't sin with his lips. When that second time that, the, that he comes before God and says, you know, 
And, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? That you caught, that you incited me to go against him and to destroy him for no good reason. And he says, well, if skin for skin, if you'll take his health away from him, he'll curse you to your face. And so God says, okay, you can touch his body, but you just can't kill him. God will always put stipulations on the trials and the testings that you're going to go through in this life. He's always going to do that. And that's what happens here that we're talking about. God wants to help you to grow in your faith in him. He wants you to become mature, a mature believer in God and in the things of God. He wants you to grow through the experiences that you go through in this life. And it says, if you lack wisdom. In other words, if you don't understand why God did what he did instead of what you wanted, then he will tell you why. It says right here that just ask him, and he will give to you liberally and without reproach. That word reproach means to make fun of you or to tease you. It also means to not be sarcastic with you. It also means, let me get my eyeballs out here. It also means to not be getting mad about you asking him. And he's not going to scold you for it. And he's not going to ridicule you for it. He's going to go ahead and he's going to answer you and tell you why he did what he did instead of necessarily what you wanted him to do. And then it says, but the thing, the, the key thing here is, is that you've got to ask him in faith. You've got to believe that he's going to do that. Because if you don't, you're wasting your time and God's. You, when you go to prayer, you need to be asking God for what you want, but you need to make sure that you're doing it in faith, believing that God's going to do what you're asking him to do, as long as it's according to his will. The Bible says in 1 John 4, I mean 5, verses 14 and 15, it says that this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask him in anything in his name, in his will, he'll do it. And, the, and because when he hears us, and we know if he hears us, he's going to do it according to those two verses. We need to, to make sure that we're asking God in faith for what it is that we're talking to him about, getting that wisdom that we need to understand why God did what he did instead of what we necessarily wanted him to do. And then in verse 7, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything because when it says not doubting, because it says a person who's doubting is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. In other words, it's unstable. And the Bible says in verse 8, an unstable, uh, a double-minded man is an unstable in all of his ways. In other words, we need to understand that we can't be saying one minute, yeah, God, you've got it handled. I know you're going to take care of it. And on the other hand, saying, well, God, I'm not so sure. Maybe this is this one's just a little too tough for me. We can't go around thinking that way, and we can't think, talk that way. We've got to continue to remain in faith and believe God for what he has said he will do. And so, therefore, whenever you're wondering why, God, let me give you a quick illustration of this, and I'll be closing. 
My wife and I, we've been married 15 months and we got pregnant for our first time. In our, in, the ninth, in, in the ninth week of that pregnancy, we had a miscarriage. And I tell you what, it tore me up. I mean, big time. It's like it ripped my heart out right by the roots. Somebody had just stuck that just right there in my chest and pulled my heart out by the roots. I mean, that's how painful it was. But you know what? And I complained to God. I said, God, you could have done any number of things to keep this from happening. You didn't have to let this miscarriage happen. Why did you do that? And the Lord spoke this to me by his spirit. And he said this. He said, do you trust me? And I said, yes. And he said, then know that it was for the best. That's all he's ever said to me. And that could have meant that he was saying that my daughter or, or my son, who, whichever, it, whichever it was going to be, that that child might not have ever come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord and went to hell. Or it could have meant that that child was going to be born with some kind of medical defects or something to that effect. I don't know. I, I don't know. All I can do is trust God. And I believe when I get to heaven and I ask God, why did it have to happen that way? He'll give me the reason. But all he has ever said is, do you trust me? And I said yes. And he said no, that it's for the best. And that's all I've got to hang my hat on. And I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, that sometimes all we can do is trust God in spite of everything. No matter if we understand it or not. Now it says that he'll give you the wisdom if you need it, but there's times that I wonder... I've asked him plenty of times since then of what he meant, and he hasn't told me. So there's maybe going to be some times when you've asked God about something, and he's still keeping silent about it. Maybe he's not telling you why he did what he did. But let me say this, that you've got to know that God would never hurt you. God will never do something that would, that would destroy your life. He's not going to do something to you that would, that would make you turn your back on him. So we've got to continue to believe in the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the care of God. We've got to continue to believe in the compassion of God. We've got to believe that he's for us and not against us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight for this word. I thank you that I have spoken what you have put in my mouth to speak, God. That it has been the oracles of heaven. I believe that with all my heart. And God, I've done it in a spirit of love, which is what you wanted me to do. And God, whoever this message was for, I pray they receive it right now. I pray, dear God, that they take it to heart. And God, that they'll find comfort and peace and grace and mercy in it. Lord, let him feel you in a very real and mighty way tonight as we leave this place. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Amen. At this time, I'm going to be addressing not only those of you that are here in the sanctuary, but those of you who are watching by Facebook Live as well.
I want to ask the most important question anyone has ever asked you before, and you need to be honest with God about this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because if you don't, you're bound for hell. You'll spend eternity without God. And you'll be in the flaming fires of hell for all eternity. It'll never stop. But if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you'll be going to heaven. And there is no place like heaven. It is such a joyous place, a wonderful place. I've never been there myself, but my mom has. And she told me that whenever she died one time on the gurney of the hospital room, that the doctors had actually lost her. And she was on her way up. And she said the closer she got to heaven, the, the more cooler it became. And she knew she was headed there. But then all of a sudden, she got stopped and brought back into her body. Because and it wasn't an out-of-body experience like some myst mystic people try to make you believe in. This was an actual event taking place. She had died and was on her way to heaven. She got stopped because my sister began to pray so hard for God to let her stay. And so she did. And she's still alive today. She's 87 years old. My dad's about to celebrate his 90th birthday on May 1st. And I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, that there is no place like heaven. And I would encourage you to make sure that you're ready to go. Because you never know when your last breath is going to be taken this side of it. Or eternity, shall I say. Because I don't want to see anybody get left behind in the, in the rapture. And I don't want to see anybody go to hell. That's why I'm asking you right now. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because that's the only way you're going to get there. It's not through going through this way or that way or this way over here. The Bible says in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come unto the Father except by me. He's the only way. So make a decision for him tonight if you haven't already done so. You say, how do I do that? That's a very simple question to answer. Just pray this simple little prayer after me. And, I, and when you say it, say it in faith. And you'll be born again. And you'll know that you're on your way to heaven. And your last breath is taken here. Or when the rapture happens, you will know. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I confess my sins to you. I admit my guilt in the sins I've committed. I ask you to help me to overcome those sins. Forgive me of those sins. For, and cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. Thank you for your love, for your forgiveness, and for your salvation. I love you very much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just said that prayer in faith, whether here in the sanctuary or on Facebook Live, if you said it in faith, you just got born again. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and when all is said and done, you'll be in eternity with God. Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. That's exciting news. Maybe you want to become a part of what God's doing in this church here. 
I, I want you to know that we'll be glad to have you. We're located at 201 West Royce Boulevard. It's spelled R-E-U-S-S. And to me, that's Roost, but it's pronounced Royce from most, by most people. But anyways, we want you to come and be a part of what God's doing here. On Sunday mornings, we begin at 10.30 for morning worship. And we do pray, traditional hymn book praises for praise and worship. And whenever we come back together on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock, we come to, back together and we do con contemporary praise and worship. In other words, we do contemporary uh, choruses that from the back in the day, as well as the hymn. Sometimes we also connect them with hymn book songs but they don't come from the hymn book. They're up on our screen here in print, and we would be glad to have you come and be a part of what God's doing in this place. Because we're starting to see God move in great and mighty ways, and I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to come and experience it firsthand for yourself. First, eyewitness to it every time. And so we love you. We appreciate you. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.